0: Tonight, has anti-Semitism gone mainstream? We explore the recent surge in anti-Jewish hate from Kanye West praising Hitler to former President Donald Trump dining with a white supremacist. Why anti-Semitism seems to be moving from the fringes into popular culture and what can be done to stop it. Metro Focus starts right now.
1: This is Metro Focus with Raphael P. Roman, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by Sue and Edgar Wachenheim III, Sylvia A. and Simon B. Poita Programming Endowment to Fight Anti-Semitism, the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, the Ambrose Monell Foundation, and by
0: and welcome to Metro Focus. I'm Jenna Flanagan. Is anti-Semitism becoming normalized in mainstream culture? That's the prevailing feeling among Jewish leaders and allies as celebrities, politicians, and media personalities increasingly amplify anti-Semitic rhetoric or give platforms to known anti-Semites. Rapper Yee, a.k.a. Kanye West's praise of Hitler and a long string of anti-Semitic comments and threats is only the tip of the iceberg. President Donald Trump's now infamous dinner with Yee, formerly Kanye, and notorious white nationalist and Holocaust denier Nick Fuentes or comedian Dave Chappelle, who elevated anti-Semitic tropes on Saturday Night Live or Brooklyn Nets basketball star Kyrie Irving, who was suspended after sharing a link to a movie that denies the Holocaust ever happened. And they're not the only ones. Put together, it seems like America is experiencing an unprecedented level of very public antisemitism. Now for many Jewish people across the country, these are unsettling times, but what are the reasons for this apparent mainstreaming of antisemitism? why now? What are the consequences? And perhaps most importantly, what can be done about it? So with me tonight as part of our ongoing Exploring Hate initiative examining the intersection of anti-Semitism, racism, and extremism in America are three individuals who have been thinking, writing, and working around these issues for years and are very concerned at what they see. First we have Eric Ward. Eric is the Executive Vice President of the Racial Justice Organization on Race Forward and Senior Advisor for the advocacy group West Western State Center. He has spent decades investigating white supremacist movements in America. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Absolutely. I'd also like to welcome Yair Rosenberg. He is a contributing writer at The Atlantic, and he recently wrote a much-talked-about piece about Dave Chappelle's Controversial monologue on SNL called Chappelle Was Right. It really is getting harder to joke about anti-Semitism, just not for the reasons he thinks. Yeah, welcome to Metro Focus. Good to be here. And of course, last but not least, professor and historian Hamela Nadel. She is the chair on women's and gender history and director of the Jewish Studies Program. At American University. And she is currently working on a book on the history of American anti-Semitism. So welcome to everyone. Thank you. It's wonderful to be with you. Absolutely. So first I want to uh Pamela just get your take. As I was saying, on just this rise that America seems to be having with people being quite open and free with anti-Semitism. Um, what, what is your reaction to that?
1: Janet, this is such a difficult time for American Jews, but actually for all Americans. And what jumps out at me is that h- historians used to call the years between World War I and World War II the high tide of American antisemitism. I think that in the future, historians are going to call our moment in time, the high tide of American antisemitism.
0: Yeah, your same question to you, What what is your reaction to what seems to be coming more and more normalized in terms of people feeling, again, quite open to talk about something that not that long ago was considered incredibly taboo?
2: So I do think that we've seen um, an increase in the voicing of these sorts of sentiments uh, in the public square recently. Uh, but I also want to distinguish that from the notion that this stuff is new or that it, it may it's dramatically increased from before. It's often the case that what happens is, is a celebrity or a politician uh, gives voice to certain sentiments that were already out there in society, and that causes people to notice uh, and often to be upset about it. Um, so that could be, you know, um, you know, Kanye West, it can be Kyrie, it can be, Donald Trump, right? We've seen this again and again, but when Donald Trump, for example, uh, says something uh, that evokes um, America's lesser you know, angels, it's not new, it's not that he invented it, it's that he's, he's reflecting it, he's voicing it. Um, and when you see things like the sorts of things that Kanye has been saying, he's not inventing these things either, right? He's, he's hearing them, he's reading them on the internet, he's hearing them from other people, um, he's being goaded into them sometimes uh, by other people. Um, And I think it's important to recognize that uh, we may be noticing something right now. Um, And I think this is true with racism, anti-Semitism, anti-Muslim sentiment. Very often we notice them when there's a particular incident that catches our attention, Uh, but they're they're thrumming beneath society for quite some time before it gets to that point.
0: Of course. Now, Eric, I wanna bring you in and ask, because as I was going through the intro, um, it should not be missed that of the three prominent, Figures that I mentioned, the three celebrities, all three are Black men. Um, why is it that there seems to be, at least perhaps to the casual viewer, this either increase or comfortable voicing um, some of these anti Semitic or perhaps giving platforms to anti Semitic tropes within a community that had long been so closely tied to the Jewish community in America?
3: Absolutely. Look, we first have to understand that anti-Semitism is on the rise in the United States. The Anti-Defamation League has documented it. Uh, uh, that antisemitism, or at least the reports of antisemitism, are at an all-time high in in this period. Along with that, we have watched politicians uh, uh, tap into antisemitism in order to fuel political campaigns. We have watched a white nationalist movement that has engaged in acts of terror in this country with mass shootings in Buffalo, El Paso, uh, Pittsburgh utilize the ideology of anti-Semitism to justify that political violence. It is not surprising them that anti-Semitism is also mainstreaming within American culture. CareerBuilder just put out a new report uh, based off of a poll that they conducted uh, that found that 17% of hiring managers are reporting that their supervisors have requested that they not hire Jews for employment. At The end of the day, we have to understand that hate groups aren't bringing anti-Semitism into our community and into our society. They are tapping into it, and so increasingly is the American public. Why are we seeing it right now in the African-American community? We have to understand the construction of antisemitism. It was created in part to be a buffer between the haves and the have-nots in a society, to misdirect responsibility by scapegoating a small minority community, uh, which are known as Jews it taps into the idea that Jews are somehow uh, uh, an other race. This is not a form of religious bigotry, it's a form of racialized bigotry. We should understand antisemitism is a form of bigotry and because the way it's constructed, it's most likely to appear in marginalized communities. There's a danger here and the danger is this, because of anti-black racism, The only pass left for success for many African-Americans has been in culture, in sports, in the arts. That means there are Black voices who have access to a large segment of the American community. And within that, we have individuals who are now promoting anti-Semitism. We should be sure to note that their audience is not just African-Americans. Their audience is white Americans. And in many of these cases, while these artists are are promulgating anti-Semitism, they are tapping into largely platforms on television, radio, podcasts and social media that are controlled by non-Jews who are white. This is not just a problem of artists. This is a problem of a society that has become tolerant of anti-Semitism again.
0: Pamela, I want to go back to you because I thought it was interesting that you were saying the period between uh, the two world wars, if you will. And is there any sort of similarity or something that we can understand from that period, not just in terms of uh, the anti-Semitism that was happening, which is very important, but other extenuating factors, you know, the economy, um what were, you know the rest of America's, you know race relations, et cetera, Is there anything that we can draw on from that period to consider where we are now and the path we don't want to take?
1: I I think there's a lot that we can draw on that draw parallels between the 1920s and the 1930s, not only in the United States, but also around the world and what we're seeing today. So the first thing that I would say is the prevalence of conspiracy theories, right? So we have in in Europe, in Germany, we have um, a, a conspiracy theory that argues that Germany did not lose the war, that it was stabbed in the back by the Jews. And what happens is that leads in Germany in 1923 to an attempt by Adolf Hitler to overthrow the Weimar Republic. And he's not successful in 1923. But essentially, he comes to power just a decade later, um, and he does it legally a decade later. He, gets, he, he forms a coalition government, a majority, majority government in the Weimar Republic, and then uses the laws of the Weimar Republic to shut down the Republic. And we have a parallel in the United States. We have conspiracy theories that argue that the election was stolen and 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 we saw in january 26 2021 we saw an attempt to take over the capital of the united states and so it's a very frightening parallel and there there are many other factors as well but that's just one of them
0: yeah i'm wondering first of all do you see uh not only a parallel but i guess uh when people say that history doesn't necessarily repeat itself but it rhymes What is it that you see as being laying the groundwork for this thing that's always been there, but to be so prominently platformed in the way
2: that it has been? So I do think that one new factor that we have that they didn't is that we have social media. They had talk radio and people like Father uh, Coughlin. There were, you know, hate preachers back then who had large audiences, but it wasn't the same as uh, mass market social media that just reaches millions upon millions of people instantaneously um especially because a lot of times people start following celebrities or artists because they're following their art you know or their their culture work they weren't following it for their political opinions but invariably you start hearing about these things from them and sometimes they're not so informed right sometimes those people have blind spots right they don't even sometimes those they're malicious but very often they're just ignorant because we all are in different ways about other communities and in the past those people didn't have a way of broadcasting and people just enjoyed them for their art, right, or as athletes or whatever it is. Uh, But now we see everything from all people on these mass market platforms, and that can lead to some really unfortunate ideas, misconceptions, and stereotypes spreading more easily in a way I think that they couldn't before.
0: Well, with that then, can you expand a little bit on the article that you wrote for The Atlantic? Because uh, there were several people who perhaps not being as uh, sensitive to what some of the tropes were, why Dave Chappelle's monologue was seen as problematic for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, so I think the first thing to acknowledge is that uh, Dave Chappelle's a, a very, very talented comedian and his monologue was very fun. Um, and I think people listen to it. they're like, this is what Dave Chappelle always does, which is he steps on both sides of the line and he mocks everyone involved. Uh, and he sort of just lets the chips fall where they do. Um, and he would probably turn to us and say, that's, that's, that's just what I've always done. Uh, why is it wrong to, to make these sorts of jokes? And I'm not here to a police comedy, but I can't explain the discomfort that people felt. And I think it had a lot to do with the fact that Jay Chappelle was making jokes about anti-Semitic conspiracy theories and the ideas that Jews control this or that industry or have, you know, sinister influence around the world in different ways. And these are jokes, but when people laugh, are they laughing because they're in on the joke? Or are they laughing because they just believe the conspiracy? Um, and as society sort of splinters it has more conspiracy theories move into the mainstream and that's not just about Jews, right we have conspiracy theories about who won the 2020 election um the more conspiracy theories you have in a society the harder it is to joke about them because you never actually know why people are laughing and what's interesting is that uh, dave Chappelle reportedly you know pulled out of his own sketch show at one point and put a lot left a lot of money on the table because he was doing a sketch in which he was sort of they were performing a caricature of a black man and he saw a member of the audience who was white and he thought, the guy's not laughing with me, he's laughing at me, right? He's laughing for the wrong reasons. And that made him uncomfortable. He felt, I can't do this. Um, and I, I, you know, I think what Jews were hoping, some Jews when they saw that sketch is they felt that he didn't necessarily feel that same sensitivity towards them and realized that perhaps they would feel the same way uh, in seeing this sort of, of, of comedy. Um, but, you know, it's a really difficult thing. And the fact is, is the reason why his joke didn't land so well um, with people is because the culture around the joke was different, right? You change the culture, And then the joke becomes easier to make right and easier to receive um and so i think sometimes we can get a little distracted by uh, a comedy routine when we should probably be focusing on the bigger picture issues um right that made that land in the way it did
0: eric you know one of the things that uh we've heard that have come up is this uh notion of controlling, controlling this industry, controlling that industry, et cetera, when, uh, at least American Jews are a very small portion of the population. So why for such a small group of people do these kind of tropes persist? Is it because there's perhaps something there as some people feel, or is it because people might be more sensitive to notice members of a small
3: group within, um, An institution or within a system, et cetera? Absolutely. We should understand, right, that when we talk about crime in the United States, that what comes to mind for most Americans are African American communities. That is because of things like TV shows like Cops, right, and decades and decades of racism that has created an unconscious bias. We know that unconscious bias happens each and every day, whether we're talking about racial profiling by law enforcement uh, or in a department store. In the same way, we also understand that there are black caricatures that are also racist. The idea is somehow that black people are dominating uh, uh, athletics right, and, and sports uh, because of a racist caricature, rather than the understanding that systemic racism in the United States historically left very few pathways for the black community to obtain success and sports was one of them and that is why there is a uh, a a number of african americans who are involved in the sports industry now look the same form of racism called anti-semitism created limited paths for the jewish community as well and one of those was within arts and culture But we have to understand Jews do not control the media in the United States. That is controlled by white folks primarily in the United States. But Jews are focused on in the same way that black people are focused on when it comes to issues of crime. And that's what makes it so dangerous. It's that unconscious assumption, right, of these tropes and stereotypes of Jews controlling the world, controlling politics, controlling economics that have real impact. We think it's just the Jewish community that's impacted. But let's remember, the victims of anti-Semitism in Buffalo were African-American, and so were they in Charleston, South Carolina. David Chappelle is a comedian, and he does what comedians do. We understand that. But NBC has more responsibility to our communities. It should understand that we are functioning in a time where hate crimes are at an all-time high. And many of those hate crimes, particularly mission-directed hate crimes, are fueled by anti-Semitism. And we simply have to be more responsible, and that's what we're not seeing. David Chappelle does what David Chappelle does, but the rest of us need to be responsible members to our community. And until we step up in that way, anti-Semitism will continue to impact the Jewish community, but it it will continue to impact all of us, and it will rip our communities apart. While we're focused on anti-Semitism, we should still remember that it's distracting us from real issues. While we have to fight anti-Semitism, we're ignoring the issues of employment, housing, health access. We're being distracted from real inequality. So we take on anti-Semitism so we can get back to the work of building a fair and just America.
0: Pamela, some of the things that Eric said, I found really interesting and kind of fit in with some of your own work, because at one point uh, you wrote that whenever Jews, the Jews enter into any kind of position where they might have influence over people who are not Jewish, then all of a sudden it's seen as some sort of conspiracy. And it seems as if America has a similar reaction to other minority groups, if it's an African-American who's in a position of power. Or, a Latino person um who's in a position of power, that parts of America can react viscerally against you're not supposed to be in charge. So, I'm wondering from your historical perspective, is there a connection between anti-Semitism and racism, particularly in this country?
1: There is a very powerful connection between the two. first first of all, the word racism, came into use in a popular culture in the 1930s. And it was used actually to actually describe the persecution of the Jews in Germany because they didn't have another term for what was going on. And as Eric talked about, the Jews were racially typed. That idea about racially typing the Jews goes back to the 19th century to the invention of the concept of anti-Semitism, which doesn't, isn't based on anything that's real because the idea behind it is that the Jews were Semites, that they were uh, part of the peoples who came out of the Middle East and that it comes out of this notion that there are these languages that are called uh, Semitic languages and Hebrew and Arabic are to Semitic languages, and then in 1879, when they create a league for anti-Semites, it's because they want to explain something new in terms of Jew hatred. And how do you explain something new in terms of Jew hatred? Because it's not—it's not supposed to be Christian-based any longer. It's supposed to be based on the fact that the Jews are racially different. So what we're seeing in the United States today is that we're seeing—and I think this is coming from the African Americans—that the Jews are being are being castigated for being sort of the ultimate whites, the ones who are in power, the ones who have control. And meanwhile, from the white nationalists, what we're seeing is that the Jews cannot replace them. The Jews are passing as white. And of course, they are the real whites.
0: And that actually leads quite perfectly into what was going to be my follow-up question, is uh, when you talk about how the Jews were set aside as a different race almost, that for a lot of African-Americans, There's just the vision that Jewish people are just a different kind of white people. But so, again, I ask, where is, like, who does that kind of division benefit? And so, Yair, I'll go to you.
2: Yeah, so there's, a I think, a broader misconception. It's not just held within the Black community. It's held among many communities that the the Jewish people are are white people. And that has to do with perhaps the Jews that they, they saw on TV right? They saw Jerry Seinfeld, right? They saw particular people who, uh, who look white, and so they said that must be the entirety of the Jewish community. But it's, it's reductive in multiple respects. First, it just erases, you know, entire swaths of Jews who are Mizrahi, Sephardi, uh, Jews of Middle Eastern and African heritage. Um, there are many, many Jews of all different hues, and uh, they have their very important stories, customs, and traditions. Um, and when people make this sort of claim, they, are, they just sort of erase some really important uh, people from the Jewish story. Um, But also, of course, um, if you, like, turn, say, an intersectional lens on Jewish identity, you would look at someone like me, an Ashkenazi Jew, and obviously as a white person, um, I get treated in various situations like a white person and get certain benefits, right, that somebody with darker skin would not, right, say, uh, you know, in policing, right, in various other respects. Um, But at the same time, I'm Jewish, which makes me uh, one of the only white people where I have to worry that someone's going to shoot up my synagogue, right, a white nationalist will shoot up my synagogue. Right. So at the intersection of being, you know, an Ashkenazi white Jew and um, being uh, a Jewish person in America, unique things happen. Right. And it's not one or the other. It's both. Um, And it's sometimes very hard for people, I think, to recognize that both of those things are going on at once. Right. That a community can be both empowered and embattled at the same time. Right. that this is also very hard for people to grasp and hold in mind at the same time. Um, BUT I THINK THAT IF WE CAN INTRODUCE A LITTLE BIT OF COMPLEXITY INTO OUR THINKING, NOT ONLY WILL WE BE BETTER OFF IN THE CONVERSATIONS WE HAVE, BUT I THINK PEOPLE WILL BE A LOT LESS CONFUSED. I THINK A LOT OF THIS CONVERSATION STEMS FROM CONFUSION BECAUSE PEOPLE DON'T KNOW ENOUGH ABOUT JEWS OR THE JEWISH EXPERIENCE OR JEWISH HISTORY uh, TO UNDERSTAND um, THAT JUST SAYING, OH, JEWS ARE A BUNCH OF undifferentiated WHITE, OFTEN TYPED AS WEALTHY PEOPLE, right SIMPLY DOESN'T ACCURATELY DESCRIBE THE COMMUNITY OR THEIR EXPERIENCE and uh, once we move past those sorts of stereotypes w- with the Jewish community, as with any other community, we can, you can have much more interesting, healthy, uh, and valuable conversations.
0: Well, we've got about two minutes left, but when it comes to addressing this, uh, combating it, what are the things, and I'll go through each uh, guest here, but what is something that you can recommend that everyday people do um, to step into what can often feel like an incredibly uncomfortable space, especially perhaps with someone you might have a, close or intimate relationship with. And Eric, I'll start with you.
3: Yes, really quickly, what I would just say is we should understand, right, that this anti-Semitism left unchecked, right, will rip apart a Black and Jewish coalition building uh, in this country. Uh, It will create the conditions uh, uh, that make it harder to achieve the things we want in a society fairness and equity and opportunity what can we do i think we can do two things we can condemn anti-semitism because it is a form of racism and we should condemn all forms of racism the second is to learn more about anti-semitism we have to learn more than just about the holocaust imagine if the totality of all we understood about anti-black racism right, in this country was through the lens of lynchings. We're missing huge segments. And the responsibility is on non-Jews, particularly the Black community, right, to get better on this issue. So we're not being wedged against one another. The real focus is the fight for equality. And we do not get there by denigrating other communities through other forms of stereotypes and bigotry.
1: Uh, Very quickly, I agree both Yair and Eric talked about the importance of education. One of my students told me that before he studied anti-Semitism at the university, he would have laughed at Dave Chappelle. After after, uh, studying a course on anti-Semitism, he didn't find it funny at all.
0: And I think that's an important note to leave it on. Um, I'd like to thank all three of my guests, Pamela Nadel, uh eric ward and of course yair rosenberg thank you all so much for joining me and having this incredibly important and timely conversation here on metro focus